Hi everyone, I'm Hope, and this is 17 Karat K-Pop. If you're new here and aren't sure really what the show is about, basically just know that there's something in it for you. Because from the episodes that focus more on psychology, to sociology, to history, to economics, to just general pop culture critiques, I like to have a lot of serious, nuanced, in-depth conversations about the music industry, the concert industry, all things music-related, and typically with a K-pop theme as well. So it's a mix of classic K-pop news briefings and album reviews and other lighter K-pop topics from a K-pop fan. And then I mix it with some more serious, in-depth conversations about broader social issues and especially culture, music, industry-related social issues. So it's basically a little bit of everything with a K-pop twist is the best way to sum it up. So if one episode really isn't your cup of tea, try another because the episode topics range a lot and hopefully there's something in the show for everyone. So please subscribe to 17 Karat K-pop at Spotify, Anchor, etc. And just stay tuned and hold on for more exciting content in the future. Before today's episode officially starts, I just want to say I hope you had a good, safe 4th of July weekend, and please, if you haven't already, read Frederick Douglass's 4th of July speech. That is your action of the day from me, and after this message, we will get to my interview with Jeff Benjamin. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to 17 Karat K-Pop. Today on the show, I have a very special guest. He's been the K-pop columnist for Billboard since 2013. He's written about K-pop for Forbes, New York Times, Rolling Stone. He's talked about K-pop on CNN, Good Morning America. I could go on and on. He also curates K-pop playlists for Tidal. The bottom line is that he is a go-to source for insight and information about the K-pop world. And it is an honor to have him be on the show. So thank you very much for being here, Jeff. Oh, thank you for having me. Before we uh, start talking more about some recent things in the world of K-pop, would you mind just sharing about some information about your journalism career, really, how you got into this reporting, and specifically then how you started writing and reporting on K-pop over time? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I actually, um, I went to school originally for music business, Um I went to school at NYU in New York um, and I thought, I always knew I wanted to, I love talking about music and discussing music and I thought the business was the right place for me, but um, it really wasn't. (laughs) I was not that good at the business side of things and nearly got kicked out of school. But um, but what I actually was so lucky to find is that um, when I interned at at a place, um, when I interned at Billboard, I was just yeah, more happier, more inspired than ever just to be discussing and talking about music in so many different ways. And uh, that's when I realized, okay, yeah, I need to make a switch. So I eventually switched to music and journalism as a major and, um, and graduated with that. But, you know, it, it was not even about K-pop, you know, for the longest time. I mean, I, I was, I have, I've been a K-pop fan maybe for, yeah, like a decade now, but, um, but it was all just about wanting to talk about the artists and the music that I thought deserved more love, more appreciation, you know, whether that was a, a British girl group or an Arabic pop singer or, or uh, a Latin, you know, reggaeton singer, whatever it might be. I just always really, maybe it's 
self-centered of me, but I always just really wanted to push out the music that I really liked and, you know, hopefully give those artists more shine. Uh, Organically transitioned into writing a lot about K-pop, it sounds like. Yeah, well, it was it was a really good timing, too. It was really good timing because um, when I was at Billboard in 2000, I started my internship in 2011, I believe. Um, that was just as things were kind of ramping up in terms of K-pop in America. Um, you know, we remember... Uh, this was the time when more artists were trying to cross over. Uh, Billboard Korea uh, started um, and they launched a K-pop chart. And just even though I was an intern, no one really knew this stuff. And so they kind of kept going to me. And then what was exciting is that they saw the results from, you know, the fans and the readers who were so excited to see this music getting coverage that um i was a fan first and foremost of course but i love all kinds of music but i just really um you know and then i I just really tried to be known as that dude who could write about you know k-pop you know there was just things that kept popping up here and there i did rolling stones first um k-pop story in 2012 uh just you know there were really good opportunities and then when i graduated in 2012 that was, of course, when Psy and Gangnam Style blew up. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't KCON start in the USA in 2012? It did, exactly. Yeah. So, and I was at the first KCON. There were kind of all these really good, a lot of really good timing. You know, I feel very blessed and lucky um, that it just kind of worked out. But, you know, it wasn't, you know, I, I, I will still never forget my editor calling me, um, you know, maybe a month after graduation saying, uh, do, do you know Sai? And I was like, yeah, I know Sai. He's been around for like a while. Well, how do you know Sai? He's like, oh, there's this video, you know, that Gawker just wrote about. And, and at that point, Kingdom Style had been a hit for a bit in K-pop, you know, but it was just always really interesting to watch for sure and be just open to what people were talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what um, I find very interesting is that you you've basically been reporting since like it really became like this past decade has been so huge for k-pop in the usa and like all over the world you've kind of been able to watch it all grow from like a one-day k-con to like a big huge thing so i was curious what you've seen as both as a journalist and then in terms of the actual k-pop music itself what you've seen change over this decade in terms of just K-pop coverage and content? Like, are there certain trends that you've seen over time evolve? Are there anything about K-pop you've noticed changes about since you started writing about it? Yeah, um, it's a great question. And I think, um, you know, I, I, I definitely have noticed that. I mean, it's part of the conversation now. Um, I think for the longest time it was, me you know if I was trying to because I I, of course I I love billboard I I love all the places that I you know have worked or or whatnot but I was I always I was I never really wanted to be satisfied with just you know writing one place or we should all be always trying to diversify what we do our work um, where we can spread our influence whatever it might be Um, so I always was looking for more opportunities to um, kind of, you know, just show what I think this world could really show. Cause I, I saw so many, I saw so much promise in just what K-pop was giving me as a, a music form, as an art form, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, just cause I was so enamored, you know, at this time too, I think I was, I was also quite, um, 
quite bored with with Western pop music. I think I was at that time. I I remember, you know, this was two thousand nine, two thousand ten when I started getting into it. But just, um, you know, I remember being like so bored with what was happening in the U.S. and stuff like that. I was like, I need to find something, you know, more. And K-pop really filled that, you know, pop music lover's heart of mine. Um, but all to say, yeah, I, I um, you know, just just for the longest time, it, it was me just begging anyone to even give it uh, some attention and some love and, and give it kind of the respect that I think it's due. Now, uh, people definitely know it's a thing. People are fan interest that you can create and a large, you know, social media buzz, especially, especially digital that you can create by working with K-pop artists. And, you know, I kind of had to learn this the hard way a bit, but, you know, that, that, that information, that, those connections, those things are, are quite valuable too. Um, and I think for the longest, I, for quite a bit, I was just kind of, I was so, I just wanted to work with anyone who wanted to talk about K-pop, you know, that mm-hmm. I'm willing to give it the time of day that, um, that I just, um, I just kind of let myself, I think, get taken advantage of a bit, you know, time-wise, financially-wise a bit. But I was happy to do it. You know, the biggest thing is just kind of not only that, rec- it's amazing that it's recognized and that people know that, like, it's a thing. And people, if I pitch K-pop, it's not this wild thing that no one's going to understand anymore but rather people recognize it so much so that like this is almost like a this is valuable information you know and this is um something you know not a passing trend yes and that's the thing too is that um you know that was the thing i've i've kind of been able to watch and that's why i get so confident about you know when i think about k-pop is because this wasn't you know you brought up the perfect example 2012 um one day of KCON in Anaheim, California. KCON has now grown to a multi-day, multinational, or rather, yeah, multinational um, convention that mm-hmm. is on two coasts in America. They've had dates in Australia and France and Mexico and what have you. Um, you know, it's just, it's, you know, the, the album sales were always growing. The tour was always, the tours were always growing. There was a lot of incentive and a lot of actual numbers to to me show that this was something more than just like one viral video. I have a pretty similar story about how I first got into K-pop because Mm. I remember being very kind, yeah, frankly bored with what I was hearing on the radio. And I had heard about uh, some groups. One of my first was 17. I um, named my podcast after them um, because I've probably been the longest fan of them compared to some other groups. But um, anyway, so I started hearing about groups like 17. I was like, okay, what is the big deal? I keep hearing about this. Might as well check out what this K-pop thing is all about. And then I realized I was just so refreshing to hear because it was it had all these elements I was missing. It had like an, like a, a full bridge. It had rap. I was, I was wondering like, what is it about K-pop that gives it its staying power? And I think part of it is just that it is uh, a mix of everything just sonically, mm-hmm. but what, what else do you think it is? Um, I mean, I, I think you totally nailed it. I mean, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, se- 17 is is not so different from most K-pop groups in that, you know, they do try to incorporate all kinds of elements. There is, you know, every, I, I still remember actually the first K-pop song that really just took hold of me and got me really excited was actually 
Seventeen's label mates. Um, their name is After School. They mm-hmm. were kind of um, that label's first group, um, a girl group, if anyone remembers. But um, <laughs> but they, you know, I remember hearing this song and my mind was blown because it was it was singing, it was rapping, it had soft elements, it had hard elements, it had a dance break, it had uh, auto-tune, it had big belting, it just had so many different things of music that was kind of this, um, you know, really, truly full circle, um, the full circle of pop music. And it was something that I had been looking for, I think, you know, more than I realized, you know, so many times, I think in the West, especially, you know, you need you need the featured rapper and you need the producer and you need the singer and you need one more singer or, or whatever. Um, and it kind of becomes this big, you know, jumble of people, which is not a bad thing per se. But the amazing thing I thought was just that, yeah, the, these acts just really try to be 360 degrees of entertainment. And I was just so uh, such a fan of that. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. 360 degrees of entertainment. I think the about the uh, the visual aspect of mm. K-pop that I think really is part of its appeal too, oh, because one thousand percent. Yeah, because I remember just not only listening to K-pop, but then I had to go see the videos, and it was just so <laughs> different, and it just added to like it w- didn't feel like Western pop videos where the video didn't really tell a story or just do anything for me. These videos really did tie into the song and the choreography and everything. It was just. I mean, I was just mesmerized. Right. Well, and, and, and you know, that's that's a totally an, an, an additional element of it, too, is just that, you know, we talk about the concepts a lot, right? In K-pop, you know, mm-hmm. the visuals, the album packaging, the, um, yeah, the choreography, the stage setup, it's all so well thought out and so well planned that, yeah, it's just, it's just high quality pop music. And I'm just... Uh, yeah, such a fan as a as a lover of of pop music and and good music and and well well thought out music too. You know, I think um, the in my opinion, the best artists do have a full vision of what they're trying to do. You know, you know, Lady Gaga I think shocked so many people because she really had a whole world that she was creating, and I think that's why she became what she became because um, she had that vision. You know, it, and her things were about the fashion the looks, the choreography, the music, the sound, the the concepts, you know, it was all there. Yeah. Yeah. I've been uh, thinking about why I gravitated towards certain groups um, mm. that I'm like more of a fan of than others. And part of it, I think, is the ones who create this whole universe, like Luna, for example, multiple worlds, whole storyline. Um, and that really just is just really well, it's just very impressive and well done, their storyline. Um, so are there other groups like Luna that really stand out to you in terms of the stories they're telling or the image that's really unique they have? Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I you know, I think I, I think BTS has obviously done a really, really great job um, just in terms of their larger message and how they've grown and just the messaging that they had throughout all their albums. Mm-hmm. But uh, in terms of, you know, newer groups, for sure, I think um, ATs is really doing a great job. Oh, I love them. At that, yeah, I think um, this new chapter that they're going on is going to be really exciting. I'm so curious how that all comes out. I think Straight Kids are doing a great job too. Love them too. Uh, yeah, they. Um, you know, I hope. I know they kind of. You know, that there were a couple hiccups in the road last year, but I. I think this new album, especially, it just really feels like them, and it feels like they're. You know, I, I hope that they 
you know, can keep expressing themselves and keep, you know, going forward in that way. Um, but I love what they're creating and sort of the, um, the safe space that they create with their, with their fans. I think it's really amazing for sure. It's, it's a great question about who's kind of creating their, their little universes. I mean, you know, Luna is a great, great example too. And I think there's a reason why they've been able to create that fandom and that excitement that they've created as well. Yeah, I've had specific episodes of this show about like certain artists in their music video world, but yes. And as I was planning them, I was just thinking, wow, there's a lot more to think about than I thought. Like, there's like, uh, there's so many artists I could do an episode about. I'm I'm glad you mentioned the fandom aspect of this and how they kind of build this. Uh, the fans really bond to the artists through the storyline and stuff because, mm. um, I was curious. So like the past, the past year or two, we've seen a lot of, and you wrote about this when you were writing about the Twice World Tour too, about uh, like T- Mina from Twice and oh. Money from Monster X, Esku from Seventeen, how these artists have really been more open than ever about mental health mm-hmm. and why they might take a break from the spotlight because of that. And I was just curious how, um, if you see that conversation in K-pop changing, is it really opening up? Is it... It seems like it is um, getting more common for them to just be transparent about what they're going through and seeing that realizing fans like that honesty and relate to it. But I'm just curious from your perspective, if you see that trend, too. Yeah, I mean, I think it's quite amazing that it's gotten um, as public as it is, you know, Um, even I feel like in the past, even if an artist was struggling mentally or, or whatever it might be. Um, you know, usually we, we'd kind of get, I, I just, you know, for the longest time, remember hearing things like they are taking a break due to health issues or right. um, personal yeah, reasons, personal re- Exactly. Um, there was a lot of mystery and sort of vagueness about it. And, um, and I, I don't think, um, Right. You know, this word idol, it's a really interesting word because, you know, at its core, the way it translates to us is wanting to be, you know, ideal. I think also being a role model and being an ideal person is admitting that you're human, too, you know. And I think if anything, if someone can find comfort or connection in that, that's I think you're doing your job. You know, you're doing your job just as well, even if you're, um, you know, not to say that if you're having, you know, any type of issues, you know, physically, psychologically, whatever, that you're not perfect. But um, there's just, you know, I, I think that that idea goes back to um, not wanting to, you know, always wanting to show your best self or whatever as an idol. We hear that term a lot, you know, show a better side of ourselves or, you know, the fact that Mina from Twice, you know, Twice is, you know, biggest girl group throughout all of Asia, essentially, you know, that's amazing that she was so open about that. And um, that article you referenced, actually, I I happened to um, actually hear that some people in important places had read that article, and they were quite, um, quite touched by it. So I, I really hope that those kind of, you know, highlighting that those stories and, and, that this is a good thing, you know, and this is a, a beautiful thing to talk about and be open about can hopefully make a difference and just make it better for anyone who's struggling. Part of this shifting conversation was due to BTS because their whole storyline and all of the darker topics it tackles just, I think it really, uh, I know it personally affected me and I think it hit home with a lot of people. 
And I just, I just wonder, I think they did kind of pave the way with a real, like showing that, proving that these K-pop groups can be popular. It's not a detriment to their career if they're more open. Don't be I, scared to touch that topic because fans actually are receptive. Oh, exactly. And, you know, and that was something I always just tried to emphasize, you know, BTS from the get, from our first interactions, them, their team, um, always so open, so just, you know, wanting to talk, not, um, you know, th- th- I've had, you know, it doesn't happen too often. I've been so lucky that it doesn't happen that often, but, you know, for the most part, no one's ever told me to, you know, be quiet or, or you mm-hmm. know, go to the next question or how dare you they, uh, release the Map of the Soul 7 album. You know, quite literally, uh, they, they saw me and, and they said, uh, RM said, you know, said, no collaboration questions, right? I said, no. <laughs> they get asked that all the time. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and that was the thing, too, is that, like, I think they know they're not really anyone can talk about their favorite artists Mm -hmm. as much as they want. Um, And, you know, they certainly have, you know, it's not a bad thing to say we like Charlie Puth or whoever it might be. At the same time, I think they know that they can reach more people and they can share more of themselves. They can use these media opportunities to make a bigger impact, uh, especially when it comes to the international, you know, services and whatnot. Um, you know, just being able to do that. And, and it's their time to shine, you know. Of course, we have things like Live and live streams, you know, that I think that's very much speaking to a specific audience. Um, and, um, and yeah, so I, I always really, really appreciated that. Uh, TXT, I was reading <laughs> uh, your latest interview with them and how they were talking a lot about the meaning of the songs on their latest mm-hmm. album. I appreciate how you asked them questions about that because, like you were saying, um, it seems like sometimes the questions that K-pop stars are asked in interviews are just like the collaboration question or things that I've heard a lot before. And so it, it's just refreshing when you just let the artist talk about their actual work of art that is their album. Um, yes. Oh, well, that makes my um, reporter's heart happy. So thank <laughs> you for saying that. <laughs> yeah, it, it's really what I what I, has always stood out to me personally about your reporting is just oh. that you get to the what I want to hear about. Um, Cause I think sometimes reporters try too hard to really find like what they can ask that will like turn into a headline or mm-hmm. um, just like talk about rumors or talk about like, I, I don't know, something more clickbaity, I guess. So I'm curious how you like approach these interviews with K-pop stars. Like, is it really kind of intentional that you want to ask questions about the deeper meaning of their albums or kind of like what, what's your thought process behind the questions you do ask? Yeah. Um, I mean, you're making me uh, so flustered and happy. Thank you for <laughs> saying that. I, I appreciate um, anyone who can recognize the work that I'm trying to do, yeah, on that kind of day-to-day basis, because, you know, I just go back to, um, and, and, you know, I've had my obsessions in pop music for so long as well, and, and I think about the things that made me fans of them, and it was their interviews. It was reading about them and seeing them as as people, as art, people who can create amazing things and mm-hmm. um, and create, you know, music is my, you know, first love for sure. Um, and, and something that I love, but, you know, 
recognizing that there's more thought and there's more human and there's so much more behind just, you know, a catchy song. Um, I think that's what makes, that's what makes a true fan. I can do that um, or rather be the conduit to um, connect someone to really truly be a fan of this artist, you know, then I'm totally doing my job, I think, because um, it's one thing to have a catchy song. Um, it's another thing entirely to be an artist that someone can be a fan of and totally create a fan base. You know, I, I, we've seen it for so many years, you know, why is one hit wonder such a such a term or why mm -hmm. why do so many artists just get like you know radio hits a big part of what i see as my role is is kind of being able to make that connection to truly find that love and, and find those things that i find so exciting so um when i'm yeah writing these interview or trying to think of these interviews or what have you um yeah just you know i mean it sounds kind of cliche but going back to what i would want to know as a fan first and foremost. And, you know, I have a lot of questions I want to ask, too. I mean, writers, a big thing about writers and journalists when they do interviews is that they're actually quite selfish in, in what they do. And personally, I, I think lots of times I want to get some life advice or I want to learn something. I want to be like, oh, my gosh, you know, um, like, do you guys really feel like you did you have times when you felt like your friends don't understand you? Because mm -hmm. Totally been there. And I remember being, you know, in, uh, you know, senior in high school and feeling like I had no friends and you know, no one was getting me. So if I can kind of get into those human elements, too, I think there's a way that not only can I help myself, but I would assume I could hope help other people, too. Um, so, yeah, it's partly my capacity and trying to go deeper with the messages and see what I can learn as well. But also I think, yeah, just wanting to give them the chance to speak as artists. You know, I, I think so many times pop music doesn't get this great rap of being a uh, so deep or, and you know, sometimes it's, it's just not that deep and it's okay if it's not that deep. And lots of times I won't publish the answer if it's not that deep. I think the best way to counter some of the, um, the, counter some of the fr the frustrations with like there's certain ways that sometimes media outlets especially like western media treats k-pop that i think those types of stereotypes or just generalizations about the world of k-pop or just like reporting that feels very like i said before clickbaity or just not what i want to hear or read about i feel like that the best counter to that is um to show the person behind the image because if you're just reporting on the image, then of course that adds to the stereotype of them, if that makes sense. Right, right. Well, and, and that's the thing too, is that, you know, I, I think it's also quite, and, and I, on one hand, I, I understand why so many agencies and artists are quite protective because, um, because you, you know, it, it can be quite dangerous to just kind of let your story be, t be told um, you know if you don't kind of and that's why I would like to think I, I do have that trust and I have a body of work that people will recognize you know and say okay he's not out to you know no, I'm not trying to have any gotcha moments period but you know it's so sad when like you see all these artists you know how do you guys feel about BTS's Grammy nomination yeah. you know, wh wh why, why would this w would you ask uh, would you ask, I don't know, Cardi B about Nicki Minaj's Grammy nomination? Right. You know, it's, just, it's just, if you actually take a moment to think about it, 
and like why it could be disrespectful these days like i've been thinking about how like there have been instances generalizations about how the whole industry is this dangerous toxic thing this is a really tragic example like with tst's johan these stars pass away and then or something else tragic like that and then it seems like it feels like every story gets roped into these uh generalizations about how the whole industry is this dangerous toxic thing and it just feels like it really like gets rid of all of the individual stories well, right. It's just so, you know, when we saw something like, you know, that that unfortunate story or, um, you know, unfortunately, that wasn't the first death in, in the K-pop scene. Um, but, you know, I, I'll just see these media outlets that have never, you know, ever paid attention to the artist, their group, whatever it might be. But they, for some reason, write about the, their death and because they you know realize i i don't even know what the mindset is to be personal it's just unnecessarily just like adding to the narrative of the dark side of the industry and like it in a way that feels othering because it's as, yeah. it's as if there's no issues with the western music industry being um having some elements that are really dark you know? oh my gosh i mean could you imagine if we saw like you know well, one, I mean, could you imagine, especially today, if we saw an article called like, uh, you know, let let me expose you to the dark side of hip hop, or yeah. the dark side of rock and roll, yeah. or the dark side of ED, you know, like, it's just, I, I think you put it perfectly. It's very othering. It's very, you know, it's kind of this, um, I, I, I just, I hate this narrative that it's the, the Asian Hunger Games or something. <laughs> I And I, I just, you know, I think um, uh, a uh, another writer, a friend of mine, Tamar Herman, put it really well on Twitter, I think after that Johan story came out, but said, you know, if you didn't care when they were alive, um, you don't care when they're dead either. Yeah. And I thought that was really well said. And I was like, dang, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that summarizes a lot. Yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot lately, about how um, the types of interview questions can really help uh, change this narrative to see the person behind the image, because... I'm sure, I mean, we could probably go on and on about this, but um, about how the all the assumptions about, like, K-pop being all manufactured and, like, it's a whole, fi- like, all the assembly line comparisons, it just feels very much like it's coming from a perspective of someone who doesn't fully get it or, like, has really, really studied up, I guess. Um, or, or just, you know, they're just playing into what they expect it to be. Right. You know, you know I want to keep breaking you know building up this k-pop and on, on the big outlets you know why they are have this image or this vision or this message whatever it might be um you know just to show that it, it's not okay this isn't all just boy bands and agencies and you know whatever you know it, it's like there are humans here they're the best way to report about k-pop and the fairest way is it's like avoiding a monolithic approach i guess mm, yes i mean i mean and, and that was i mean i think that's the only way writers are going to survive. I mean, that's uh, writers will survive period. Um, Cause I very quickly realized, you know, I-, I was very much left to my own devices when it came to the K-pop column, but I very quickly realized that I was not going to beat these 24 hour news cycles at where ones that could just write things like watch this new music video or so-and-so comes back with, with, X song. Um, no, they, they needed to bring something I think different because why would people change their sources? 
my whole thing was, okay, how do I say something worth reading? And, and that was my thing too, is that I really wanted to, wanted to have something to say, you know, about the music and the coverage first and foremost. Um, and then hopefully get the chance to explore it more, but, you know, not just say, uh, here's X music video, watch it now, something more to say and something that would hopefully draw in new fans as well as people who might be already interested in that group. Yeah, I think a good example is just um, one of your latest pieces I read about um, why you think Island is going to be a successful show. Pieces like that, I think, um, do stand up right now because it's really, it is interesting to think about how like other elements of K-culture, like just Korean TV shows and everything, um, how you know, reporting on them and like really like not just watch this show, but about why um, you should watch that show or deeper in-depth, like deep dives into into media that we get from other countries. First of all, I have to ask, who is you, who are you first into first like alt group? Like you became a hardcore fan of them first. Uh, well, I mean, we, we talked about after school before mm-hmm. and that really was just kind of the first, you know, I had heard k-pop here and there you know whether it was like boa or wonder girls after school and if you haven't checked that after school i highly recommend if you've enjoyed this conversation because um they were really like again that like 360 degrees of entertainment they had concepts across the board um you know they were really amazing too because they did things i never saw from pop groups they did um they had one a concept where they did a drum line. They did one where they did um, tap dancing. They did pole dancing. They did a cane dance. They had um, ballads. They had pop songs. They had R&B. They went just across the board and, and they were so unique and just something that was so refreshing to me as a, as a music fan um, that I'll kind of never forget them. And, and I still root for them. And I still um, think about maybe one day, you know, they would, Come back. They'll come back because they they had this concept, too. And and I I think it was a bit of their downfall, too. But they had this graduation admission concept. Oh, like NCT Dream. (laughs) A bit. Right. But then NCT Dream realized that people don't like that. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Thank goodness they changed that. Yeah. But the thing is, too, is that it's great when you're adding, you know, people and everyone's so excited to meet the new members. It's sad when you members all leave. Um, Yeah. So that was a little difficult. But, uh, you know, I, I, I have hope maybe maybe one day, you know, the the team will <laughs> come back for a reunion. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you never know. So what are some uh, I mean, you kind of already, I guess, answered this with uh, talking about like ATs. But personally, I think my favorite rookies this year is our gravity. Um, mm. But are there other up and comers you really have your eye on right now? Oh, yeah. I mean, the gravity guys are so cool and nice. Um I actually got to meet a couple of them um, just like while they were trainees, like just because oh, cool. I just happened to get Starship a couple. Yeah, I met um, Alan, who just like really nice, kind guy, period. Um, but yeah, they're they're really cool. And I'm so ex- happy for their success so far. Um, I really like MCND, the, um, the five-member boy band from Top Media. I think they have something really cool and special going on. Yeah. Um, and I thought their debut single was so cool. Um, the music video I had some issues with, but I think that they are slowly getting 
it together and I'm really, really excited for their future. And I think, um, yeah, I'm really curious where they can go. And I also really, uh, you know, I have a, I feel like I have a personal um, affection for them, but um, T.O.O. is a a, a new boy band. Oh yeah, they're great. Yes. Oh, I'm glad. I'm happy you said that. Cause, yeah. Um, yeah. I love them. I'm excited for the comeback. Ooh. Yeah. I, um, I heard the album. It, it's really perfect for summer. I think, you know, I, I got to be a judge on their show when they were kind of created on world class. I was a judge for an episode and I remember just being so enamored, just like with all the things I was seeing and just, you know, and, and I didn't even know kind of how the group was going to, how the team was going to end up, but you know, we did do an interview after um, after their debut, and and they're I wasn't you know I I was like they're new you know I I don't want to put too many high expectations on them, but they were so great in our interview too, like really personable. I really want to help their human elements show as well, and hopefully I'll have a good opportunity with them to share with you guys soon. I'm curious, who out of all these uh, K-pop stars you have interviewed, were you really the most surprised by, like, they really have, uh, they showed they, they're different, like, on stage versus off stage, or just, like, something about their demeanor was not what you expected. I mean, probably for, hopefully for better, not for worse, but just were surprising. I mean, I will say, T.O.O., that they were, I, I was, I was really, like, you know, most of the time with, with a new group, you know, they, they're very kind of shy and quiet and, you know, mm-hmm. very careful with their words, but they were so open and so like, we just wanted to talk more and it was really awesome. Um, I'll say also Red Velvet too is, is definitely like that. You know, I think they, they come off as just these like such cool girls and like, you mm-hmm. know, whether you're uh, Irene and kind of like, you know, with your princess demeanor or, or, you know, or joy in that same way or, or whatever it is, but they just have this really cool down to earth vibe. And, and I think, um, you know, I remember I did their, um, I believe, I think, yeah, it was their first U S interview. They were at KCON in 2015. Um, this is just after Yeri joined with ice cream cake and whatnot. And, um, you know, I, I didn't have, you know, again, you know, I, I know they're a new group, you know, I could be a little shy or a little, you know, quiet, but they were like, so funny. I think I have this habit, or, or at least I had this habit rather of, uh, of saying awesome, you know, just trying to be encouraging, mm-hmm. just, you know, so I, I just kept, they gave an answer, be like, oh, awesome, like, that's awesome. I guess I was saying awesome a lot, because they started, like, kind of repeating it. They'd be like, awesome, awesome, like, we love awesome, Mr. So- awesome, and I'm like, <laughs> girls are making fun of me and I was like so they really this... had their guard down it sounds like yeah well it was just it was just and you know what was amazing too is that when we um I saw them again I think it was in 2017 mm-hmm. and um and they uh I was like oh I don't know if you guys remember you know we met blah 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 They're like oh yeah you know being all friendly you know whatnot like they didn't remember me but um <laughs> but I guess I let a couple more awesome slip out and they're like oh my gosh wait a minute we remembered you're officially yeah. known as the awesome guy <laughs> <laughs> exactly so that kind of you know once again kind of created you know let their guard down again and then the third time we saw each other they were like Mr. Awesome so <laughs> yeah it was a, uh, you know again you know just like 
they're the coolest girls like in the world, you know, and like they, they're just so amazing on stage. And, and the fact that they can, you know, joke around and like poke fun, I think it's just, I mean, that's what I personally love the most, you know, just like, I'm like, okay, you guys are like, just keeping it real with me and like being fun. And, you know, and I think that's like, I'm totally, I'm like, I'm like, yo, throw me under the bus if you guys <laughs> yeah. want. If it makes you more comfortable, please, you know, like, I just want to do more things like that because I just think it's really fun. You know, I'm not here to, that I'm interviewing you. I, I want you to also feel like comfortable, you know. Yeah, and that's what, like I said before, I appreciate about your interview style because uh, you can tell you do artists you interview seem like they're really kind of just like, they don't have their guard up too much. Like they're not too, you know, they're they're comfortable just like being funny or just being goofy or just like Yay. honest. So who um really you were the most starstruck to interview i'm maybe just because i just think we're all humans and stuff like that i don't really get starstruck just like period but um i will say i did allow myself to get a bit um starstruck when it came to girls generation oh that's Um, big (laughs) yeah well they were they were in town it was the trio actually um tight to see ets for um, they were in town. I think it was 2015 for Fashion Week, New York Fashion Week, and you know, I, I, it was a great experience. I was on their reality show. We did a great interview. I was, um, I really kept it together until the <laughs> very end when I decided to tell Taeyeon that um, a place that she could get Reese's peanut butter cups because I knew she liked Reese's peanut butter cups, and it was just like really weird and really awkward and like <laughs> like uh, what wh- I, I don't know why I acted like she could never find these things on her own or like that they didn't have them in Korea or something but like you know I was just like oh I know she likes these and everyone's like what is like <laughs> I just think like that was the only time I think I was like really dorky and like really just um you know I totally kept it together on camera and everything but I think at the end everyone was like what is he going on why are you telling her about Reese's like why did I specifically go up to her and tell her you know it's not like she speaks English fluently anyway you know yeah. I did tell her about peanut butter and ch- I always just kind of uh, go back to that and I'm like what was I I was really but I was doing that because I was like genuinely like you know like trying to like I don't know what I was trying to do, impress her. Just, make, yeah, find a way nice to be conversational, her. I guess. Yeah, but like, why did I, why didn't I tell, why didn't I tell the other girls where, where, where their favorite candy was? You know, it was just <laughs> maybe, maybe not my brightest moment. <laughs> um, I do have to ask, I knew I had to at some point in this interview because they're like my alt group, of course, as Ooh. the podcast name says, but what is it like to interview Seventeen? What are they like off stage? I just, I, I need to know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, of course. Um, I think that's why I trusted your email when I saw it, because I was like, ah, she's got good taste. I think 17, I remember, you know, I, I was aware of their debut and because of the company and knowing that they were after school and New East, um, you know, mm-hmm. younger brother groups and Hello Venus at the time. But, um, you know, I just remember being so impressed by what I saw from them musically and performance wise. And, you know, whether it was Adore You or Monse and things like that. And I, I remember I got to see them live in Korea at a music program. 
it was, I remember our first interview was in 2017. Um, you know, they, it was their first U.S. interview. And, and you know, I'm thinking it's going to be other, you know, I mean, 13 people is a lot of people and me, you know, so it's like 14 boys, you know, everyone was just totally in the moment and watching one another and, you know, look, uh, just wanting to, you know, just encourage one another. And, and I think, I don't know, that's what I've always really liked about this team is that they really are a team. I think they're always kind of looking out for one another. I mean, obviously it's a bit easier for me to talk with Vernon and, and Joshua too. Um, when we met at um, Build Series and we did an interview at Build Series, that was really cool too. And, you know, it's just no one's ever forgotten in that team. Everyone's, when we like, we're all in a circle, no one, it's not even like, people who were less confident in speaking were sitting on the outside. No, it was like, we're all in a circle. Everyone gets like kind of that equal representation. And, um, you know, and that's something I want to bring to that group too, is that I think it's actually quite unique that they have 13 members. And um, I remember at the Build Series interview too, um, you know, I, I think everyone had spoken except the eight. And I, I just, you know, wanted to take a moment before we got to the audience questions and just, you know, check in with him. And, you know, he got a moment to be on camera, had his camera moment. And, you know, afterwards their, their team told me that they were actually touched that, uh, you know, that, you know, someone recognized that because they do really, I think, want everyone to shine, everyone to make sure that they're seen and heard. Um, but yeah, you know, like I just, you know, the guys there, I think they're superstars, but also just, you know, humble and know where they come from. You know, I was just at KCON, what, I think it was last year. I think they were at KCON last year, right? You know, S. Coops, like, came up to me. I, I was I was just sitting backstage. I was waiting for my the interviews to finish. But, you know, he didn't have to, you know. But he came up to me and, like, shook my hand and then gave me a hug. Like, it was really, really nice, you know. They, like... They don't have to do those things, but they're just, yeah. I don't know. I think, um, I really think highly of them. I, I think there's so many things to be seen from them and, and to to still be seen from them. They do seem that way, and I'm so glad that it does seem so genuine that they, because I've noticed in their interviews that Vernon and Joshua really do make sure that they're translating for the other members when they need to and, like, making yeah. sure that they're not, you know, monopolizing the conversation and... <laughs> Exactly. And I think, I think the team knows like that takes trust, you know, like mm -hmm. you can just let someone else talk, you know, or like people like talking, you know, having that, I think there's a team trust there where they say, okay, we, we know he's going to do right by us and they're, they're going to do right by us, whatever it might be. And, um, and yeah, that, that takes trust. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it really is unique too, because like you said, there are so many of them and it's uh just to see them all genuinely get along is just really refreshing. And I think that'll add to their um, longevity as a group. Thank you so, so much for doing this. Um, oh, yes. No, thank you for asking me. Your questions were great. And thank you also for what you do, um, Hope, when you uh, talk about ways people can, um, I just want to say real quickly, thank you for what you do about, you know, ways people can get involved and, and help the community or, or different um, organizations or projects. I think it's really awesome that you do that. Oh, of course. Thank you for saying that. You're welcome back on the show anytime. Ah, okay. Awesome. Thank you, Hope. This is so fun. Thanks. It really was. Bye. Bye.